Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me for our preview podcast of LSU in Florida is Sonny Ship. Sonny, how are you doing today? Good, man. What's happening, brother? Oh, not much. You know, just uh, trying to get everything squared away for this 11 a.m. kickoff because, you know, you don't have that that Sunday to prepare at all or do any, like, last-minute stuff. You just got to be ready to go. I've never done it before, so I'm just preparing. Bourbon and Cheerios, man. That's what we call it around here. Yeah, hope, I, I mean, they, they usually have hot dogs in the press box, but I don't. I mean, I, I guess that's what I can eat for breakfast. Uh, this week they'll have Krispy Kreme, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take it. I'll take some donuts. Um, but yeah, we got LSU Florida um, podcast. Obviously, it's been a crazy week for LSU fans. Um, check out the Monday podcast, Sunny, or I'm sorry, Shay and Billy did. Uh, that was uh, a lot of fun just going over Ed Orgeron, you know, uh, Keishon Boutte news. But since that, uh, we've had the news of Eli Ricks now out for the season, Sonny. And so we have some new some new news on that front. Just what, what was your takeaway? What are your thoughts on, on that situation? Well, Ricks hadn't looked healthy all season. When you looked, I believe it was, uh, it was UCLA when he made the pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where he went up and elevated and got the pick. You know, it seemed like after that game, and even during that game, aside from that play, he hadn't looked healthy all season. Even when you go up and when you watch him in run support, and granted, uh, you know, he's not someone known for being that big physical corner that goes up and wants to get his hat involved on um, a lot, but he just didn't look healthy. The shoulder is something that's going back until the, uh, you know, really until his freshman year. Um, now we're hearing, uh, you know, we're hearing a torn labrum. Uh, that's one of the, that's one of the, uh, I guess, prognoses that we've, that we've seen so far, but I, I mean, is now the time to go ahead and get that cleaned up to where, you know, he'll be able to play in spring ball. I mean, I could look at it two ways. One, Rick's is not a guy that you need to see in there for spring ball. Um, you know, he didn't play this past spring much at all. And, and so, you know, why clean it up now? Um, you know, I really think that it's a situation to where he's played through some pain. And now, um, you know, a lot of your goals have kind of fallen to the have fallen to the wayside. There's so much um, uncertainty right now in Baton Rouge. And, you know, if, if, if he is legitimately injured, like I believe that he is, then I say now's the time to go ahead and let's get it. And, uh, you know, you hate to say with six games left, you look ahead to next year. But in, in, in college football, you know, you always have to be looking ahead and you always have to be planning. So, um, you know, I it's a big hit for LSU secondary because now they're going into this game with three starters out both All-America cornerbacks, your free safety. Jay Ward is the only starter back there that's left. And, man, watching him tackle over the first, you know, over the first six games where he's been in there, you cringe every time you see him go in there because he's, you know, 180 pounds, 185 pounds, soaking wet, 
loves to lead with his head. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to lead with his head. And, uh, you know, over these next six games, it's tough to see him being able to stay healthy. And so like Shay and I were talking about this morning, you know, then you're looking at a complete at a secondary with no starters left. You look at the defensive line, you already got three starters out there, Andre Anthony, Joe Evans, and now Ali Gay. And so, uh, you know, it, it's just a decimated defense. And Durante Jones, I think, is the guy you really have to feel for right now. Because he didn't have anything to do with the recruiting situation that got LSU into the mess that they're in right now, as far as not having enough depth at yeah. uh, you know at key positions, and uh, he just kind of got thrown in there. And, and man, he just doesn't have much to work with at all right now. Yep the the one player um, who on this defense has been a consistent force and will be asked to do more is Cordell Flott. Uh, the talk throughout this whole week and from Ed Ogeron has been that Cordell Flott will move to the outside uh, to replace uh, Eli Ricks. So he'll be lining up opposite of Dwight McLaughlin. Uh, we we saw that last year, Cordell Flott, you know, play outside a bit. Um, I'm not sure if he's better at that than Nickel because he's been so good at Nickel. It's hard for to expect him to continue that production on the outside. It's a very different position and very different responsibility. And then we expect to see Sage Ryan, the star freshman uh, who we haven't seen yet, so I shouldn't call him a star, but the freshman who to step into that nickel position and to produce, right? That's a big, some big shoes to fill, and that's a big responsibility for him. So we're looking at a secondary of Cordell Flott, Dwight McLaughlin, uh, Sage Ryan, then uh, Jay Ward in the back end with Cam Lewis, with Jordan Tolls, you know, so, some something like that in the back end. So uh, on the bright side, they get Glenn Logan back up front. Yeah, that that is good to see Glenn Logan back. Uh, you know, a guy who lost 36 pounds, if you believe the roster numbers, that had him 339 last year. Now they have him listed at 303. So that's good. And, and I'm anxious to see – how the 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 lower weight affects his mobility and his ability to move inside. Yeah. Obviously, coming off the foot injury, that's going to uh, you know, that's going to hamper him a little bit. But right now, LSU, LSU, you hate to say it, but right now LSU just needs scholarship bodies. Yeah, I mean that's you know it, it's yeah. it's really at that point right now. You know, last year late in the season, we saw it to where it was Dwight McLaughlin and Cardell Flott. Um, on the outside, and then they put Jay Ward. Jay Ward was at nickel. Yeah. And so, you know, and it makes you wonder if Major Burns wouldn't have gotten hurt, then I think Jay moving Jay Ward to nickel could have been a, uh, you know, could have been an option. But now with Major Burns out, you just don't, you know, you've just got, you've got a banged up Todd Harris, Jordan Tolls, Derek Davis Jr., just not ready yet. Matthew Langloy hasn't played much at all this year. And so now we get to see our first glimpse of, uh, you know, five-star safety Sage Ryan coming out of high school. And uh, we get to see our first look at him now. So it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an all hands on deck. And it's really kind of similar to last year when you go back and look at last year's game. I forget what it was, but it was somewhere in the mid to high 50s as far as scholarship players that LSU had available for that trip to the swamp. Yeah. And on Saturday, you're probably going to hear the announcers say something similar to where it's going to be, uh, you know, one of those same situations to where you don't have a lot of guys. It's all it's all hands on deck, and you just hope if you're Ed Orgeron, you hope that your players rise to the occasion like they did last year. Yeah. But at the same time, you also hope Florida does something drastically stupid <laughs> like they did last yeah, exactly. year exactly. that also helps you, you know, because I, I, I think LSU is just going to need a um, 
you know, help from all angles to uh, to pull off what I yep. think would be a shocker given the circumstances that we're in right now. Yep. Well, last thing before we get into the game, Ali Gay also out for this for this week. Um, that really puts some pressure on the outside. I uh, hope I'm sure Mason Mason Smith will continue to get some run at the outside uh, defensive end positions moving forward. But let's get into this Florida offense now because we've talked about the LSU defense now and their injuries. Uh, let's talk about Florida's offense and what they do well. I was able to watch the Alabama game and I watched obviously them play Kentucky last week, so I have a decent handle on their offense, but. Um, basically, they're, last year they threw the ball around a lot, obviously, with Kadarius Toney and Kyle Trask and whatnot. Uh, this year, they're the opposite. They run the ball. They are a top three rushing team in the country. Uh, Emory Jones leads them in rushing at 6.4 yards per carry on 478 yards, um, 80 yards per game. Um, Anthony Richardson at quarterback also gets a lot of carries whenever he's in the game, but obviously, or, but he has been injured recently. And so obviously he hasn't had as much to do with the running game and they've still been able to click. They have a trio of running backs in Malik Davis, Damian Pierce, and uh, Naquan Wright, all of which have had between 36 and 49 carries on the year. So very, very balanced, very even production, all over five yards per carry. Um, Damian Pierce with seven touchdowns, Malik Davis uh, with two, three touchdowns, Naquan Wright. Uh, 5.1 yards per carry is a speedster himself. So you have a balanced offense, you have a balanced run, rushing attack, and you have a lethal running attack that I watched them play Bama, and by the third quarter, you could tell Bama was just tired of it. Like, they started, that's where their comeback started, just running the ball, gashing them for seven, eight yards a carry. And it was something to see because that was against Alabama. And while well, albeit Alabama's defense isn't the juggernaut it used to be, but it's still... A solid defense so um the run game is really sets up everything they want to do and you know they're not afraid to run emory jones and options you know quarterback powers quarterback draws um they do a lot of similar things to kentucky as far as the pulling motions and their their zone runs so it's another challenging schematic test and you have dan mullen on that side of the ball as well so i it's gonna be a it's gonna we thought kentucky could run the ball Florida, I still think Florida is a better team than Kentucky. They can definitely run the ball just as good, if not better, than Kentucky. Yeah, and, and you certainly didn't get a good vibe off of LSU's run defense last week, giving up over 300 yards to Kentucky. I mean, so many, so many zone runs where there was not anyone, there was not an LSU defender in the field. I mean, these guys, you know, normally – you know, a running back comes out, you know, he's got to make a cut, and then he finds an opening. I mean, they're running to daylight. They're just running to openings that are already there. They're not even – they weren't even having to make cuts last week. And so that has to – you know, that obviously has to improve. Ed Orgeron stressed that every time he spoke this week about gap assignments, gap integrity, players being where they're supposed to be. But given, uh, you know, given, given LSU's, how many starters you have out on the, uh, on the defensive line, how, how much LSU's linebackers have struggled this year, particularly Michael Baskerville, he seems to, um, you know, DeMond Clark seems to stepped it up a little bit. Michael Baskerville, he, uh, he's really been struggling of late. So you don't have a lot of, uh, you don't have a lot of faith in LSU being able to contain that running game. You know, obviously, if you're Durante Jones, 
going into this, you can't let Florida just run the ball up and down the field on you like Kentucky did. You have to you have to hope that you can force Florida into some passing situations and that you get Emory Jones, who is tied with Vanderbilt's quarterback for the most interceptions in the SEC this year with seven so far. You hope that he makes some mistakes, that 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 he's that he's careless with the football. He puts the ball on the ground. You know, how do you do that? I think you have to get pressure. You have to pressure. And, you know, we're not relying on an you're not relying on an LSU defensive line that after three weeks was leading the nation with 18 sacks. Right now you have the LSU defensive line that has two sacks over the last three games. To you know, so so that doesn't give you a lot of hope right there either. Yeah. Um, and Durante Jones, he doesn't like to blitz. He has not he has not shown many blitzes this year. They, you know, I, I think with I, I think they were a little bit arrogant going into the season of thinking that they could just come out and just generate this this four man rush and be able to play a uh, kind of conservative on the second level. And that obviously hasn't come to fruition. So, you know, how is Durante Jones going to muster up some of that pressure this week? Is he going to be, you know, what I consider quote unquote stubborn? You know, I think he's been stubborn all year that it's basically been you line up in the defense and we say, okay, now we're playing a we're playing a four three. Okay, we're bringing a linebacker up to the line. We're going to give you 20 seconds to analyze what we're doing. You're going to change, but we're not, you know, and it's just been way, way too vanilla on the season. So, you know, those are going to be key in being able to, uh, you know, in being able to contain the Florida offense to give the LSU offense a chance to be able to match some points. Yeah, and especially with the injuries on the defense line now, right? Like when you had Andre Anthony, maybe you could do some of that uh, and Ali Gay, but now you are depleted on that front and you're not playing McNeese State or Central Michigan anymore. You're playing uh, Florida who, like I said, uses the run to set up the pass in a lot of situations, and that's why Emory Jones has a 68% completion percentage, right? It's like he's completing a lot of passes, but then when he's asked to do a lot, he throws interceptions, and that's where those seven interceptions come from. So he only has 190, uh, 191 passing yards per game, nine touchdowns, seven picks, not asked to do too much. He's inconsistent on his short throws, especially like when he's just a tight end sitting down over the middle of the field. He's inaccurate with those. Uh, but he is able to extend plays. He's made some throws on the run, runs that impressed me. Um, so I don't want this to turn into a Bo Nick situation where he's just running around and they can't tackle him. That would be worst case scenario. Or Will Levis. Or or, or Will Levis. Or, or. <laughs> and he's a better runner than than Will Levis, and he might be a better. Or runner UCLA's than, quarterback. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might be the best running quarterback they played this year too. So that's yeah, why I it's think just so. like I think so. So. I, you have to keep him in the pocket on those third and seven, eight, nines. You know, you can't let him escape and extend the play. But like you said, I think I this is one game, and I, I think it's true in a lot of games, and you, you've harped on it before, of getting pressure on the quarterback, and I think it's obviously a big deal. This game, I think especially because of the secondary, the situation in the secondary, asking them to hold up, whether it's zone or man, for five seconds, like – I can't see that happening. So you have to just take some risks here. You're you're playing Florida. If you get them in a third and eight, third and seven, you got to take some risks here and try to force a turnover. Try to get them into a punt punting situation here because if it's fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three, Florida's going to go for that like almost anywhere on the field. So you have to take your risks and just hope, like you said, Florida messes up. Yeah, and and that's not the. <clears throat> 
you know, it uh, going into a game of, of, of hoping, it usually doesn't produce a lot of results. <laughs> no. You know, you want to go into it confident, but um, there's just not a lot of confidence right now. You know, there's not a lot of confidence on off, on defense. And I think the confidence, even though we saw um, some semblance of a running game last week against Kentucky, you know, right now there's not a lot of confidence on offense either. You know, you've got uh, Max Johnson, um, you know, he has his, – his play, it seems like it's kind of tapered off a little bit from the beginning of the season. I think he's frustrated. I think he's frustrated with the play calling. I think he's frustrated with the offense. I think he's frustrated with the pass protection. And you're seeing the true sophomore, the youngster in him, uh, come out. And, and I think he's playing – you know, I, I think he's – he went from – to me, he went from from – taking maybe too long to make some decisions to where now he feels like he has to make decisions so much faster. And, uh, and, and it's like, he's rushing things now, but you take, you know, you don't have Kayshawn Butte. Um, you know, who's going to step up as that number two receiver this week, who you got. I mean, that number, that new number one receiver, not only this week, but for the rest of the season, because I think um, that's going to be key on Saturday too, yeah. is who yeah. does. A lot of people have Jack Bash and obviously I think Jack Bash from a reliability standpoint is the one you go with just because I think he, there's no way he catches less than six passes. Right. I think that he's, he's just going to be an automatic six for 60 yards. The question is, where do you get your explosive plays from? And in this offense, which sure they ran the ball against Kentucky. I think Kentucky completely was fine with that. I don't think Kentucky cared that they ran the ball kind of like Mississippi state. Um, and you just don't give up the big play to this offense. But against Florida, Florida was has been an aggressive defense this year, whether that's playing man, whether that's blitzing or both. They have shown a lot of aggressive tendencies, and I'm interested to see how they play LSU because I think against LSU, you just play them like Kentucky did. You just give them the run game, and you take away these explosive pass plays because albeit Keishon Boutte is gone, but you still have some talented receivers here and a Max Johnson that, like you said, can start to get impatient to a degree and can start to force some passes here and you know it's worked to a degree so after jack besh because i think jack besh is going to be the leading receiver as far as catches goes i'm going to stick with trey palmer i think trey palmer is a name he was in a yellow jersey this week so that's not good in practice but if he plays and i'm sure he will if he is 100 percent, he's the one guy that i trust to kind of have a chance at an explosive play so that, that's going to be my pick. Brian Thomas is a good pick as well. Um, Devontae Lee, I, I think we see more of him in the coming week. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Trey Palmer here and see how, how that goes. Because we don't even know Deion Smith's status. He wasn't at practice the last couple couple days. Yeah, Malik Neighbors is the guy for me. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. I think Jack Besh is going to step up. I think he's going to be that guy, which I think he probably would have led the team in receiving had he and Keishon Butte, as far as catches goes. I think he'd have probably caught as many balls, if not more than Butte, by the end of the season. But I think Jack Besh kind of, you know, I think he's immersed as that number two guy. So I think the natural progression is for him to kind of become that number one uh, target for Max Johnson. But as far as the explosive playmakers, uh, Malik Neighbors is the guy for me. You know, we've – you know, we we've seen him get a little bit, you know, a little bit more involved and a little bit better with each passing week. Obviously, we heard so much about him during fall camp, rave reviews, um, how well he caught the ball, how dynamic he was. And, and now it's his time to step up. You know, last year when Terrace Marshall opted out, K 
Keyshawn Butte, he stepped up at that point. He stepped up and he said, okay, I'm ready to be that guy. Now someone has to do that. From a confidence standpoint and from a uh, from a swag um, standpoint, Jack Besh is that guy. Jack Besh is that dude where he's going to stand up in the room and he's going to say, give me the ball. Feed me the ball. You know, when you watch LSU's offense, Jack Besh is that one guy that every time he goes, that even when he goes down, I mean, he doesn't go down easy. He's, you know, he fights for extra yards. You know, he's got a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, confidence, but also he's got some cockiness in him. You know, he for every sure. time he catches his ball, he wants to come up, he wants to flex and everything. And I think that's great because I think, I, I think this offense needs a lot more of that, you know, because I think that exudes confidence. He's not out there taking cheap shots. He's not out there, you know, picking up 15 yard flags or anything. He's just a dude who's out there to where the defense knows this dude's ready to play football. Yep. And to me, you don't have enough guys on LSU's team like that. Yep. I look at the offensive line. I see nothing but a bunch of guys with hands on hips and just like it's almost like they mope. <laughs> you know, like it's just, you know, it's like, oh, no, don't make us have to block again, please. <laughs> well, they're going to be they're going to be tasked with blocking uh, Zachary Carter defensive end. Uh, and that guy is a that guy is a Cox. Player. Cox is a beast, too. Yep. You know, and then I mean they've got the they've got the former five star defensive tackle. Um, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, but Gervain uh, Dextron, I think, <laughs> and I know I butchered that. But Horrible. I mean they've got you know I was kind of shocked when I went through and when I did the uh, of how each team projected starters ranked in recruiting. I was surprised, you know, even taking into account that you know you've got Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley, Kayshawn Butte. John Emery, you know, you've got four former five stars that weren't included on those projected rankings, whereas Florida comes into this game pretty much as healthy as that, you know, you could expect yep. six games into the season. But when I went through and when I when I, when I compared those rankings, I was shocked at um, not shocked, but surprised that Florida you know, has has recruited as well and even better than LSU in some of the areas, just using that as a, you know, as a small sample size. Yeah, they get back Kyer Elam, a uh, cornerback who's missed the last three games. Like you said, they come into this game about as healthy as ever. I mean, you can't ask to be any more healthy than Florida is at this point. And that's not a to hate on them, but that's just the situation of it uh, that it is. And LSU obviously is in the opposite situation here. So, um Bama did a good job of picking up their blitzes because, like I said, Florida did play aggressively in that game. They played a lot of man. I think Jack Besh will need to beat man, whether it's a safety on him or um, a corner on him. Um, that's you know kind of one of those situations where you just throw it up to him. But other than that, I you you have to run the ball. I and I don't I don't want to say that because I, I said last I said that the Kentucky run game the run game against Kentucky was kind of a facade in a sense right it was like they didn't Kentucky didn't care if they ran the ball well if the team Kentucky, is they were running against a three-man front a lot of times yeah yeah if, you know? but even and, if team, and LSU's running the ball with using six blockers right right it's you know? it's not like it's straight hat right. on hat all the time yeah. no, no no not at all but you have to establish the run right they have to run the ball if they're giving you the run you have to take it it's what you do after you establish the run that's gonna be interesting to me because this offense albeit if they run the ball, I think it's going to help them. They're still going to have to set up easy passing situations for this for Max Johnson and and their receivers. Like you can't get into third and long situations. So that's where the run game I think will help a lot. And I think that they've, while 
I, I think Florida's going to play it kind of like Kentucky to a degree, even though I think they're more talented of a defense, though, so they might be, they're going to be more difficult to block. They're probably going to play it like Kentucky and just give them, give them the run game. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out because I, I just don't know if this LSU offense, I think teams are just going to take away the big pass and that's going to give LSU a lot of trouble moving forward. Out of 129 other FBS teams in America, there's probably 125 who did, who do, doesn't believe that this LSU team could beat them just running the football. Oh yeah, that's how bad you know. What I mean, that's oh, yeah. how bad it is. You know, oh, who is it? Bowling Green. You know, a a couple of schools like that. Yeah. You know, App State. I mean, there's not there's not many teams in the country. You know, that would that would not say okay. Here, we'll let you run the ball. You know, we'll let you get. You're not reeling off twenty yard runs. Had, you know, yeah. you're you're feeling good about a six yard run. I mean, you think know, about it, think and, about and make, no, and make no mistake about it. You know, there, as an LSU fan, when you see or or anyone who who has any interest in watching LSU whatsoever, when they when they get a six yard run, I mean, you're looking at that like, whoa, man, that that that's a chunk play. That's a chunk play right there. You know, and so and so when 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 you have that mindset and when you play that kind of football and, and when you're you know, that ineffective at running the football, you know, everyone's going to take that approach. You know, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised to start, you know, to see some rush two and drop nine. Yep. You know, uh, yeah, it's that's just what Auburn uh, did. Huh? That's what Auburn did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so, uh, you know, it's just going to be, um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Ed Orgeron was able to get his team ready to go last year in the situation where they were three and five going into the swamp. A loss would have given LSU its first losing season since uh, 1999. They pulled out that win. He got the team to play way above its head in that game. Yeah. If, you know, it is absolutely critical. It may be even more critical this year than it was last year that he get this team to play above its head again. You know, and, and that's a huge question. That's a huge storyline going into this is can he, you know, does the team still, you know, does the team still, quote unquote, have his back? Um, will they still fight for him? Will they still play for him? I don't know about you, but I looked at when I when at that Kentucky game last year. To me, after about two, three minutes in that uh, third quarter, it looked like LSU quit playing to me. Yeah. You know, particularly on defense, I don't want to say I don't want to say that guys quit, you know, but they weren't playing, you know, they weren't playing with that same intensity. They weren't playing with the same with the little bit of fire and the little bit of passion that they played with in the first half. It wasn't there in the second half. And you could just get that feeling from that point on that, man, this is going to get this is going to get ugly right here. Yeah, it's. Last year was such a weird game um, in a lot of situations. Uh, last thing I, I will say about just the LSU offense is, I mean, they scored seven points in three three quarters against Kentucky and scored 14 in the fourth quarter just to make it somewhat respectable. And one of those touchdowns was a jump ball to Malik Neighbors where he made a hell of a play, right? So that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you have to kind of just have, like, the explosive plays. They're going to force it to an extent. And so that's I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays. What's, if you had to put it, What's the hope? Where does the hope lie in LSU winning this game? If if you had to just find something, is it forcing turnovers? Is it hoping that Emory Jones just gets 
gets into some situations where he just forces it, like they're going to need a defensive touchdown probably, right? Like you're going to need a stage Ryan or someone or Cordell Flott pick six probably, right? Yeah, I almost look at, you know, with LSU's situation the way it is right now, I almost look at this as a situation to where a lot of teams feel, you know, not not like the SEC teams, but like a lot of, you know, your group of fives or whatever may feel when they go up and they play Alabama, you know, or, or you know, I'll throw Alabama, I'll throw Clemson out there, you know, um, in that if you're going to win this game, you have to win special teams. You can't make st- – you have to win the turnover battle in a big way, and you have to take advantage of those turnover battles. It's almost like everything that needs to go right has to go right for LSU on Saturday. You know, Max Johnson, if you had Kayshawn Butte on the field, you know, you might look at it and you might say, you know what, Max Johnson could go in there. He could throw for 425 yards. He could throw for four touchdowns, you know. But now when you look at it, who's going to be catching those balls? You know, who's, who's going to be catching those passes? Um, and then defensively, you know, I think Durante, I think Durante Jones, he might be able to be a, uh, you know, be a, uh, be a defensive coordinator for a, uh, you know, a, a middle of the pack power five school, you know, maybe something, you know, maybe something along that level. But I think, I think this is just too big for him right now. I think it's too big for him right now, and I don't think that he's going to take the necessary chances that you almost have to take to win a game like this when you're as um, undermanned as LSU is relative to your opponent. You know, I don't think he's going to blitz. I don't think you're going to see any corner blitzes. I don't think you're going to see really any blitzes. I think you're going to see that same – that same approach of, you know, if we can just, you know, if we can just keep it to a minimum, you know, if we can, you know, if they score, if we can try to hold them to three or if they can eat up six minutes off the clock, that that's a positive, you know, and just when you go into a game like that and when those are the positives that you look at and that you're hoping to get, I just think that that really, I mean, that just, man, that makes calls for a tough, tough, tough task of accomplishing what, you know, yeah, LSU right. needs to accomplish on Saturday. It's are they going to play to win the game and take the risk they need to? Or are they going to try to keep it close until the fourth quarter and you know maybe try to pull it out the end? But in reality, if you try to play it close, you have no chance of winning this game. To me, I don't because, think so either. because of the way Florida can run the ball, right? Even if and it might be a close game just because you know Florida will be running the ball here and there and moving the sticks, maybe a little slow, even though they can be an explosive offense. You know, maybe they. This the run game gets going for for Florida, but doesn't overwhelm them. Maybe it's a lower scoring game, but in reality, you're gonna need turnovers. You're gonna need your playmakers to make plays. Um, if this game times. gets, I think if this game gets into the fourth quarter, to where it's a close game, and you're you know you, you think you have and you would think you have a chance to win, that's a bad recipe for LSU because that's when because that's when the fatigue is gonna really set in. That's when the depth is going to really set in, and it, that's why I think you. That's why I think you have to try to jump out on them early. Got to swing. You got to try to get. You know, you got to try to. You know, one of those things where you hope you can go into the half up ten, up thirteen, up seventeen. Just 
you know, to where when that second quarter, when that second half flurry comes, because you know LSU, I mean, you know LSU is going to wear down. They've worn down yep. in just about every game they played yep. this year. So when that fourth quarter flurry comes, you have a little bit of cushion to help you. If they don't have that cushion and you're talking about a, a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, I, I don't think that's the type of game that LSU could win. Yep. Last stat for me, uh, just looking through just the, the team stats here, you have the number one at team in the SEC in yards per carry in Florida and 6.7 yards per carry, and the last team in the SEC in yards per carry in LSU at 2.9 yards per carry. So, yeah, one versus 14 here in the run game. I'm just interested to see how, how it plays out and if there are any adjustments or any hope LSU has for winning this. Here's another interesting stat, though, that you mentioned that with Florida. They are number one in the league at 6.7 yards a carry, but they only carry, they only rush the ball 41 times a game, which is fifth in the SEC. So they're not even running the ball, you know, they're not running the ball as much as these other schools are, but they're getting, you know, they're getting a lot of bang for their buck. I mean, when you look at, when you look at chunk plays of uh, rushing, long rushing, rushing plays of 10 yards or more, they're number two in the SEC. They got 53 on the year. Yeah, man. And you want to know how many uh, LSU's got 10 yards or more? 10 yards or more runs? Let me, let me guess. 10 yards or more. What's your guess? 12? Oh. <gasps> Close, my man. Close, close. I give you a twenty. I give you a twenty dollar bill. Twenty. Oh, it was twenty. Twenty. Twenty runs. All right, there you go. I knew. I was Here, gonna, here's I your now. Here's your Aflac question. Oh God. What does that rank LSU in the SEC? Twenty. There's no. I mean, I I knew I undershot that. I was. I thought it was gonna be like fifteen, but twenty is more than I thought. That's that McNeese game. I probably undersold. Um, and that probably ranks, I feel like I haven't seen enough of Vanderbilt to, to know if Vanderbilt just absolutely can't do anything, but they don't score points. So I'm going to say 13. There you go, man. Yes. There you go, man. You got there that. You, go. you got that. There Even go. Mississippi state who tries not to run the football <laughs> is better at running the football oh, than LSU. And, Let and that with, sink in. Yeah. There you go. And with that. Let's do our predictions, Sonny. Doomsday. Let's, let's let's get some predictions out there for for the fans here. The spread, I believe, is still at eleven for Florida. Um, it's been there all week. People are expecting Florida to cover for the most part. Um, I've been kind of in between here because I've been kind of conservative with my picks the entire the entire season. Um, but I did pick them to lose to uh, last week to Kentucky, as almost all of us did. But so you go first. You go first. What's your prediction for for this weekend's game? All right. First, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and uh, and give and give everybody a little sneak preview of uh, Shay of uh, Shady's pick. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna pick the Tigers to lose for the first time this year. He said, "Incredible, incredible, huh? Incredible, incredible." Okay, I'm going. Um, you know, I just don't. I mean, I really. I, I, it, it's hard for me to see any way that LSU wins this game. Um, you know, we can, I mean, there's just a litany of things you can point to 11 AM kickoff. When has LSU ever played good in an 11 AM kickoff? You know, it doesn't happen often at all. You know, the injuries, the depth, 
the uncertainty surrounding uh, surrounding O, the uncertainty of what your crowd is going to look like tomorrow. You know, when you've got Florida coming into town, what are you going to have? Are you going to have 40? Are you going to have 50, 60, 70,000 people in the stands, you know? I, I think that that's going to be, you know, that that that's something else that you just kind of look at. And it's just kind of just like the overall mood, I guess, of everything. And uh, I, I just don't think that LSU is going to be able to make the plays that they're going to be able to make. And I'm not I'm not certain of how much fire and fight they're really going to have, you know, um, whether or not uh, Ed Orgeron has lost his team. I'm not ready to, you know, I'm not ready to go there yet, but I do think that I do think that for them to be able to pull off this upset, he's got to do one of the most, one of the best coaching jobs maybe he's ever done, you know, and and I just, I just don't know, given the climate that we're in right now, I just don't know that, I just don't know that he or the, or the, the team where it is right now has that in them just with all of the, uh, you know, with all of the outside noise. So I put down, uh, I went with uh, Florida 37-24 in the Q&A that I swapped with uh, Bob Redman from the Florida site. And um, I'm going to stick with that. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to stick with that. All right. 37-24. Um, similar-ish to mine, I've been going back and forth between 35-17 and 35-20. to I think LSU keeps it close for a quarter and a half. Uh, to give up a late second half touchdown and then it goes downhill from there. I think they come out and they 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 can play with them a little bit to start. I don't think it's a 14-0 in like five minute type thing. Okay, good. Um, I think they 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 show up a little bit and then Florida just wears them down, just yeah. like they did Alabama. Except this defense is far far more depleted than Alabama's was week in week three. Um, so yeah, I got Florida pulling away really easily in the second half. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 35-17. That's the one I'm going to stick with here. I'm going to go for 35-17 Florida. I just don't see how LSU scores the ball, really. And I think Florida is playing kind of motivated at this point. It's not like this is a Florida team that's come coming in, you know, undefeated or anything like that. This is a team that's already lost two games and lost a game to Kentucky that I thought that I'm sure they're still pissed about. So I, I think Florida comes in here and, and plays hard and remembers last year. Not for nothing. Like this is the they have plenty to play for here and they're fully healthy. So I'm going to go Florida. Yeah. 3517. And don't think Dan Mullen and these other SEC teams don't think they don't look at this as a chance to go in and to just, you know, stir uh curb stomp LSU. Yep. You know, they look at they they've got some wounded tigers and they look at this as all right, let's go in, let's embarrass them. You know, yep. let's go in, let's embarrass them and you know, let's try to take advantage of the recruiting and all of that and stuff. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of motivation going in for them to come in and and uh, you know and you know make a statement, make a statement, and uh, you know and hopefully, hopefully for Ed Orgeron and for the team's sake, you know, uh, you're correct, and that they do come out and that they fight and that they play with them. Because if they come out, I think if they come out and if they play with them for a quarter and a half, then I think that they can kind that they can keep it close, like you alluded to. But just once you get in that fourth quarter, man. I just uh, I, I don't have the I don't have the confidence that normally you know you say okay if we get into the fourth quarter and it's a one score game I like yeah. us you don't get that feeling this year so nope, not against a team that runs the ball for seven yards a carry that's for sure nope well 
All right, that's all we have for y'all today. Uh, we appreciate you for listening or watching on YouTube. Uh, however you get your podcasts, uh, feel free to subscribe, share it with a friend, uh, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Go247. Um, and check out all the content on our site, Go247.com. Um, on Check out our message boards as well if you are a subscriber. If you're not a subscriber, you can get first month for a dollar. Um, so we have a lot of content coming up on whether that's Coach Ogeron, football, basketball, however you want to look at it. We got a lot of stuff on the way as well, just like we do every single day. So check all that out. We appreciate you all for joining us. and We'll talk to you all later.